You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Road. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Coming up on the brew session, Tyvar Kell is ready to rumble with turn three kills in both Modern and Pioneer. We are going deep on the newest three mana planeswalker on today's Brewers Jubilee. All of that and more is coming up. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am David Robertson, coming to you from a suddenly balmy Twin Cities, and I am joined by my guy from the Southern Lands. He is Mordekaiser. Mord, what's going on, buddy? Hey, hello, David. How's it going? Been a while, but since we have recorded together. Yeah, it has been a while. And we are, of course, joined by the CEO of the Faithless Brewing Podcast. He is Caved In Online, Daniel Schriever from Tejas. What's up, buddy? Tejas. <laughs> Doing well, David. Good to see you. I'm curious what you mean by balmy. I know that up in Minnesota, you guys have been like negative 20 Fahrenheit for most of the last month. Well, it's actually been an incredibly mild winter. We just had a very miserable week. Um, The cold air that everyone, of course, is pissing and moaning about that's like making its way to the Northeast now briefly stopped here. I think it was like one degree or something yesterday for a high, but now it's like 30s for the next 10 days. Like today's oh. going to be 33. I'm going to go have a beer outside at uh, one of the many delightful breweries of the Twin Cities. It's going to be awesome. Oh, that's great. <laughs> the sun is kind of shining. <laughs> if you look at it with your eyes sem- semi-closed, the sun seems to be kind of shining. Also, like, shout out to the Minnesota women. They still don't want to mess up their hair. So you see people like walking a re- reasonably long distance from where they park their car to the bar or restaurant with no hat on. They just... They make them tough up here, man. I just, I'm just very impressed. As soon as it's above freezing, you're out having drinks on the patio. <laughs> yeah. So big news. We are, this is week one of a new set. This is when it's all exciting before everything uh, becomes very lame, every, very re- <laughs> predictable, very repeatable. We're talking about exactly that, discussing about one of the new cards, about how we were super excited for it for literally five hours. And as soon as it becomes popular, we're all going to hate it. Oh, the venerated rock priests, the storm combo, oh. <laughs> the toxic creature. If it becomes popular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're super happy for that card as long as it remains unpopular. I think something similar probably applies to the card we're going to talk about in this episode. We're talking about Tyvar Jubilant Brawler, and I think all of us are excited about the possibilities of Tyvar. You know, we've talked about it at length in our preview episodes. Today, we're going to break down everything it can do, talk about the best creatures to use with it, the worst creatures to use with <laughs> it, and actually propose some lists. But I've also been doing some research, seeing what other Tyvar lists people are proposing, and I'm, I'm now afraid that there's just going to be like an obnoxious Tyvar deck that everyone's playing in a week's time. Really? In which format? In Pioneer, Vanifar, Prime Speaker Vanifar. Oh, that's funny. I mean, I, I have a list proposed. I mean, Vanifar is just such a bad creature. I actually don't think that deck's going to be very good. 
I hope not. You you have no faith in the Vanifar? I mean, I have played a ton of Vanifar lists, unlike all these people who post Vanifar lists. I've actually played dozens of Vanifar leagues. It's just a very, very poor creature. Like, giving it haste isn't that good. <laughs> okay. And you have, you have a space in all these triggers. It can be disrupted by removal. So it's not like um, like podless. Like, Vanifar can die at any point. Whenever it taps or activates the untap mechanism, it has to repeatedly untap a bunch of times. You have a bunch of spots for removal there. So it's like actually disrupted by normal spells. Not to mention like counter magic wrecks it, graveyard hate destroys the deck. Like they shall, they shall weakness to everything. It's weak to everything, and then red black, the nominal like interactive Jun deck of the format, just interacts with every piece of it. It has like main deck graveyard hate. It has removal that get, removes it for one mana. Okay, so you think it's. It's going to be okay. I should just take a deep breath. I think people should try to play it. It's fun if that deck exists. It's not any worse or better than Lotus Field. It's just way more easy to interact. And I'm hoping that, like, the reason that this deck can even exist is I hope that Tyvar exists more as a synergy piece to help you against these pinpoint removal decks as opposed to something very linear like a Devoted Druid combo, right? Which yeah. just gets a specific piece back and wins the game. I agree with that part. I hope it's not, like, super devoted. Just go straight for the win. But I think it will, sadly. Vanifar combo will exist. As <laughs> well, a that's modern. I mean, in modern, it's just it's hard not to. No, no, but I mean in Pioneer. Like, Vanifar working as the devoted druid of the format. Right, but four mana versus two mana is the real key. Yeah. 100%. Anyway. Well, we'll see if our fears are founded or not. We can argue this again a little bit later in the episode. But before we dive in, we should do our housekeeping right at the top. Exactly. So just a quick reminder, as always, if you're enjoying the podcast and would like to throw us some support, the best way to do that is by joining our Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. Make a pledge at any tier you like. That gets you immediate access to our wonderful Discord community, where this is always the most exciting time, right? Hmm. New sets about to drop. People are posting their ideas, going to be posting their results soon, as soon as the set drops in just a few days. It's just a great place to hang out and be a part of it all. Just being part of the Faithless Brewing community. Okay, with that message from our sponsor out of the way, <laughs> we can dive into the order of business for today. Talking about Tyvar Jubilant Brawler. This is, I think, the consensus among us, the first car we wanted to brew with uh, for this season, season 17 of the podcast. David, walk us through this card. Tyvar Jubilant Brawler, a three-mana Planeswalker, so that's already something that should get your uh, eyebrows raised. They've had a history of, you know, printing three-mana Planeswalkers that end up being a little more powerful than intended. Hmm. One, a black and a green for a legendary Planeswalker Tyvar. He's no longer a smoke show, which is, you know, unfortunate. Um, starts with three loyalty, has a static text, you may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. Plus one, untap up to one target creature. Minus two, mill three cards. Then you may return a creature card with mana two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So it has a lot of echoes of... There's a three mana artifact in Modern that lets you tap uh, as if you had haste and The untap. elixir of... Endless some, no. Thousand year elixir. Thousand Year Elixir, yeah. So it's Thousand Year Elixir, but it also gives you a Planeswalker and a functionally card advantage if you can bring back a two 
uh, creature. And the untap doesn't take any mana. So it's like a huge upgrade on an existing card that was kind of part of like fringe archetypes back when modern was was actually modern. Yeah, I think that's mostly true, except that a Planeswalker is not necessarily an upgrade over an artifact. Sometimes I forget that when I'm evaluating cards, and then I join a league, cast a Planeswalker, and watch it just get slaughtered by my opponent's creatures, and I curse the day that I ever put these freaking card types in my deck. <laughs> if you're trying to build a deck around Tyvar, it may or may not be alive, so that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, and I think it mitigates that possible risk, which I... I think it's a little less than Dan, but but the fact that it mills cards and brings a creature back, that creature can block, that creature can, if it's a card that wins right away, if we're talking about like a devoted druid-like effect, it just does it all. Um, so unlike Elixir, it actually can functionally replace itself, right? So you get a creature in play and Tybar, and that that's two cards that your opponent has to deal with. True. Yeah, I think that minus two is a big deal. Yeah. Gives you actual card advantage. Yeah, the minor two being a, f and not only that, but as an amazing way to protect it. Like a lot of the creatures you can get back, like a stone for that could just be a must remove for your opponent. Exactly. So before we dive into all the fun creatures you're going to be pairing with Tyvar, just a few minor details to go through, some rules considerations. The static texts only applies to tap abilities functionally. So these are activated abilities does not mean that the creature actually has haste. You can't attack with it. So this basically only affects cards that have a tap symbol on them. The plus one, untap up to one target creature. Uh, you can do that even if there's nothing in play. You just want to increase Tyvar's loyalty. You can target whatever you want. You can target your opponent's creature for some reason if you needed to do that. It functionally gives you an extra use of a tapper if that's how you're building your deck. So you can go turn one elf, turn two Tyvar, untap the elf, use it again. Uh, you could do other stuff with it too. I mean, if you have an exerted glory bringer, you can use Tyver on that. If you're facing down the Akroan War chapter three and you need to dodge that, that clause, right? Tyvar can do that. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff with the plus one. So don't get too locked in on thinking all this does is give me an extra use of the tapper. Finally, the minus two does not actually have a target, right? Everything happens upon resolution of the minus two. So you mill three cards, then you have the option to return a creature mana value two or less. So there's no window there for them to, say, uh, respond with Unlicensed Hearse or Cling to Dust or something like that. You don't have to announce, okay, I'm activating the minus two on my Stoneforge Mystic. You just activate the minus two, see what you get, and then if you want to, you can bring something back. I think that resolution is super important, makes you not imp only weak to straight up rest in peace and fix stuff that are going to consistently excel your graveyard, which are not common against these decks. And one shot things like Alliance of as you said, become useless. At least they can take the best thing, but you can just mill it again or try to mill a secondary good payoff. Yeah, I mean, okay, it can't take exactly the three cards you mill, but it can take the whatever, if there's a one Devoted Druid in your graveyard, I mean, you're not going to mill a Devoted Druid in your top three. So I actually think Hearse is actually still quite good against the minus two ability here. It, just activating this in the dark is a terrible play. If I exile your graveyard in response with my Soul Guide Lantern and you just hope to hit a two drop with your three mills, that is not a good play. You never do that unless you're under a s extreme duress. I mean, if I have any sort of other graveyard synergy, I will activate the minus two just to make you pop a lantern and I can, might still get some value out of it. Hopefully, get some value out of it. Yeah, pretty likely. My mill three in any over 30 creature deck 
where this is likely feeding, it's very likely to find a hit. Sure, but I mean, all 30 creatures have to be two. I mean, just think of think of even like collected company decks. People play like 28 creatures, and many of those are threes. So you're talking about reducing all your creatures to two mana specifically? No, no. I'm talking, if I have like 18 or 20 creatures, which is likely the, commons, the common amount in a Coco deck, I'm talking about what? 50%, 67%? It's literally 66.5%. So two in three cases, I get a creature. I'm more than fine with that. Yeah, I mean, playing my playing my planeswalker and maybe doing something is, is that that's tough to me. Yeah, yeah, but that's a, that's like the lowest case scenario for this planeswalker. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, I, I don't think I would I would keep in if you're worried about some kind of combo. I would play hearse against this card. Mm -hmm. So we already start to see a little bit of tension, some questions being raised. One of those questions is, okay, to what extent do we want to actually be a graveyard deck? Do we want an unlicensed hearse to be good against us? Second question, I mean, you mentioned collected company mord. Coco is three or less. Tyvar is two or less. So are we trying to restrict ourselves to creatures at zero, one, and two? Or are we going to play the full range of creatures, right? The static text of Tyvar can give the bonus to anything. It can give a prime speaker Vanifar haste, which is great. Mm -hmm. But the minus two does not help Vanifar. doesn't help your you know, whatever your three drop is, you're going to have like little intersecting packages within your deck. And I think that's a question to keep in mind, right? How much do I need to get from each piece of Tyvar for the whole package to be worth it? All right. So those are big picture considerations. Let's get into the details. I think the biggest question for Tyvar is what creatures are we playing to take advantage of these different abilities? And for me, it's the static text. But what I would love to see is a creature that just taps and immediately wins the game. <laughs> I mean, Vanifar is likely the closest we have ever seen to that, but Devoted Druid is also pretty close. Also Snoop. Yeah, Devoted Druid and Snoop are interesting because they also meet the criteria of the minus two. So they're not just creatures that, when they're in play, giving them haste is important, but they can also come back with haste. Yeah. So it... Like, getting it both ways is so much better than a card like Vanifar, which you might cast Vanifar in response. I kill your Tybar. <laughs> like, oh, man, Vanifar seems pretty naked there. Like, are you passing the turn back to me? <laughs> uh, and you can't get uh, Vanifar back, obviously, with Tybar. So cards like Devoted Druid, cards like Conspicuous Soup, those are... Now, obviously, we're talking about modern in, in this case, but those yeah. are very attractive in a way that Vanifar is not. I mean, you do have Snoop in Pioneer, but without the combo, you're not playing Tyver in your Snoop deck. Correct. And the mana is impossible. Red Red is not trivial. Shun mana for double red, turn three, Bihi is not common. Stoneforge Mystic, another card that can be a quote-unquote win, um, depending on certain matchups. I completely missed the Snoop because I was searching for creatures that have the tap text on them and that doesn't actually say tap anywhere on the card. <laughs> it's the loophole. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think Devoted Druid is by far the best of all these because even without the help of Tyvar, it was like already a deck for a long time in modern. Not good right now, but it could easily be good again. And we've seen, you know, how devastating even an effect like post-mortem lunge can be. Just giving the Devoted Druid haste makes the deck much more annoying to fight against. But there's also this second tier of interactions where Devoted Druid taps for two mana if you want it to, right? You can tap it once, put a minus one, minus one counter on it, tap it again. So the interaction between 
a druid and Tyvar is plus one, you can you can go mana neutral on a druid the turn you play it with Tyvar. You can actually go up a mana if you're willing to use the minus two, if you're willing to kill your own devoted druid. So you get two mana from it immediately, thanks to the static text. Kill it, you just kill itself by adding another counter. Tyvar minus two it back, and then activate it two more times. If that's relevant, right? So there's actually like a lot of weird options with Devoted Druid specifically that I think is going to make that a very powerful combination with Tyvar. Yeah, there was actually somebody who 5-0'd with the Devoted Druid list, I don't know, like three weeks ago. I'm forgetting their name, I apologize. And then they tweeted out, just like, take my list and replace these three or four cards with Tyvar. And we've got like a very powerful deck. You're talking about upgrading four slots in a list that already 5-0'd. Were they suggesting to play the full playset of Tyvar? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think if you're playing Devoted Druid, you're playing a full playset of Tyvar. Because the card that combos with Devoted Druid is also two mana, and then they were playing Stoneforge Mystic, and Stoneforge Mystic can find equipment that also combos with Devoted Druid, so you have 12 cards that... Again, Tyvar does both things, and giving haste to Stoneforge Mystic in the mid-delay game is actually quite powerful. Um, mm. So, so, yeah... I'm guessing like those 12 plus four Tyvar and then whatever else you want to play is, is kind of like the shell. Yeah. I mean, that deck already plays Devoted Druid, Giver of Ruins, Stoneforge Mystic. Stoneforge gets Luxiorge Yada's Gift if you want to do the combo. Or if you don't want to do the combo, you just want to get Cauldra or something else. Um, Stoneforge does that too. Yeah, then you think like in the mid to late game or whatever, like, okay, your Jund opponent or your value, your blue-red opponent, like you just has killed your creatures and everything else. You just like Tyvar, bring back Stoneforge, play with haste, you know, your your five mana whatever or your seven mana artifact. And hmm. it's like, it's just a crazy value mechanism as opposed to a card that's all in on combo, right? Like Devoted Druid is not just a good card if you aren't doing the combo. It doesn't do very much. But yeah. Tyvar can be part of the combo or it can just be part of the value plan or it can be both in the same turn. It can also get you back stuff. I can really see the line happening eventually where you just minus two on the tie bar with little creatures in the graveyard and you just hit a giver of runes and put it into playing without your opponent, like tapping down a vial and putting in a hasty giver of runes, disrupting every plan your opponent might have. Yeah. Hasty giver of runes is also not irrelevant, but the card I'm also super excited about is Fiend Artisan. Fiend Artisan? Within the Devoted Druid deck, or just in a different deck? Yeah, within the Devoted Druid deck. Okay. As the tutor of choice alongside Tyvar, Tyvar works amazingly well with Finarisan. Its own color gives it the ability the ability to tap, and also literally milling to find growing the Artisan, or you can even get it back. In the mid to late game, once you're a bit more heavy with the mana, it's amazing. And Tyvar makes extra mana if you have mana creatures to make your Finarisan tap for more. And Fiend Artisan can find one half of the combo and Tyvar can bring back the other half, right? You sack your Devoted Druid with your Fiend Artisan to get your, I don't even know what the two mana white creature is, and then Tyvar just minus twos and puts the Devoted Druid back in play and you combo. That's nice. So you find that Fiend Artisan is a better fit than something like a Fauna Shaman? Like, sacking a creature already in play yeah. for all those little lines you described is more useful than discarding a creature? Yeah, I think so. Fauna Shaman, come on, Fauna Shaman sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Dan and I have played way too many Fauna Shaman decks when that was almost the thing you could talk yourself into like six years ago in Modern, but that's, come on. 
The fact you can tap Finaritan for three, sacrifice any creature and get a devoted into play with TR is pretty great. I mean, I know Fauna Shaman is nothing special, but I think when we saw Fiendartisan initially, we thought it was like a, a weaker Fauna Shaman. Fauna Shaman shows up in Pioneer sometimes, part of Claudio's collected company builds. <laughs> yeah, it's a one-off sometimes <laughs> in, in a list with Orion, so just like filling out your AD, I guess you can <laughs> put it in there and never draw it. I have it in one of my lists and it's going to be terrible, but I am old, so I want to play it. <laughs> I mean, if you are playing something like a Vanifar combo, you do need some ways to tutor for Vanifar. So you have to choose something. Fauna Shaman, Fiend Artisan, Eldritch Evolution. Like, one of these cards is going to make the deck. They're all bad. In that context, at least. Yeah, the fact that Fiend Artisan does not need to just find Vanifar and, as Mort says, just becomes a beater by itself. Like, if you're just milling a bunch of cards or your opponent's casting removal spells to disrupt you, if Fiend Artisan is a... Is a Tarmogoyf that with Tyvar also becomes crazy, that's when you're talking about something that's a very powerful card. So, apart from Devoted Druid, other creatures that tap to win, Mord, you mentioned Conspicuous Snoop, but were you actually seriously considering Tyvar for goblins, or was that just more of a technicality? No, no, there has been some chat about a full-on combo with Tyvar, having like the full-on Force Snow, four Matron, four Harbingers, playing the four, and playing like full-on combo. Like trying to go hard into the snow, playing foreign earth as well. That sounds bad to me. But do you do you actually? Yeah. I don't do, do you know. Think this is gonna be. <laughs> I think it will depend on how powerful Tivar is as a like as an addition to the deck. Like if Tivar is only there and doesn't grant you any amazing wins or any fast wins via haste, no, it's not gonna be amazing. But maybe having four Tyvar for Warchief is gonna make it so you can consistently win with a hasty snow via unearth slash Tyvar minus two. Ignoble Hierarch is a goblin mana dork, so that is yeah, something. Yeah. So we'll, you will have the four Ignobles, the four Unearth, four Tyvars, four Warchief, four Snow, four Harbinger, four Matrons, four Mogwar Marshal, and I think four Skirks are super low curve and try to just combo them out. Okay, so that's Goblins. Prime Speaker Vanifar, we've already had a little bit of a preliminary discussion on that. Does it tap to win? At this point, I think yes, it does. So the fear is that a turn one Elvish Mystic casts a turn two Tyvar. You get to untap the Elf if you want and attack for one or something. Um, then on turn three, you can, in this Christmas land, cast your Prime Speaker Vanifar it will have haste, you immediately sacrifice the elf and begin the Vanifar chain. So that, in theory, can deal lethal damage on turn three. And David, you've got a list drawn up that we'll get to that in a bit about exactly how that chain works. So this is one of the, the things that could become annoying if this actually turns out to be good. So that is, I think, a clear example of tap to win. Another example, um, actually just in our Friday episode, Mort and I were talking about this new Walls combo deck. Yeah, and this is amazing. They're getting back overgrown. I think you would have to seriously change the deck out of Coco and such. Yeah, that's the tough part, right? Tyvar, is it better than Coco? Not all, not necessarily. No, no, but that deck plays, Ar plays Arcadis. It plays some bad cards that are likely even worse than Tyvar. And not Coco hits. <laughs> so you can keep the Collective Company. You just have to identify other cards to cut. I mean, you already said you thought the second Duskwatch Recruiter, the second Arcadius were easy cuts. Maybe we don't need two Staff of Domination, maybe just having one Trophy Mage and one Staff is enough. So 
Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. I think just giving haste to an overgrown battlement is already extremely valuable. And you know, when they play the card, what, what was that one drop? The walking bulwark? Yeah. They play walking bulwark. That gives haste for two mana. Tyvar gives haste for free and reanimates the overgrown battlement with haste. So Yeah, you still need some bulwarks because it's also your win condition by giving everything Arcadis text. Yeah. But Tyvar might just be a way to like turn two battle like something like turn one um Bulwark, turn two overgrown battlements into turn three Tivar Battlements, Saxbane Guardian, Cord Kill. Doesn't seem impossible. Like Playing an Axe Guardian for three and it having for four mana on turn three. <laughs> it sounds good to me. And maybe I'm just high on this because recency bias. But yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, go check out our previous episode in our picks of the week section. So those are the combos that jump out to me as like the most likely ones to actually benefit from Tyvar. But I do want to ask you about some other more suspicious combos. So these all involve tapping creatures in some way. So first of all, Jeskai Ascendancy. At some point in Ascendancy, you do tap or untap the Sylvan Caryatid or the Paradise Druid or even the Emery a bunch of times. Do you think that that combo benefits at all from what Tyvar is offering? No. <laughs> that was a fast no. And in Pioneer, the mana is absolutely hideous. You cannot play the mana in Pioneer. So if you're talking about Modern, that's a more interesting question. Although I don't think there's a lot of Sylvan Caryatids running around in Modern. No. I want you, Dan, to sell me on an ideology you plotted the other day. I want you to sell me on Shiganta plus Tyvar. Okay, so hear me out. <laughs> Tyvar is Shiganta compatible, so you always have Shiganta available. Shiganta, although nobody knows this, I recently discovered this while doing research, Shiganta actually has an ability to tap for mana. Scientists have just discovered this. <laughs> Taps add five mana. <laughs> Did you know this? A taps add five mana. <laughs> five mana that you can only use to pay for colored mana. Exactly. And then you can use Tyvar's plus one to untap Gigantha again. So the turn you cast Gigantha, you can actually tap it. Tyvar plus one, tap it again. You can actually add double Wooburg, 10 mana to your mana pool immediately off Gigantha. Coming from the companion zone. So does that actually do anything? Well, kind of. So here's a couple of cards you could pair with that. You could pair... Golos, if you had two extra mana lying around, you could activate the World Tree. That is enough to activate the World Tree combo, even without six lands in play. World Tree gets a number of gods, so there's a kill there with a couple Perforos and some Clothis. Or if you're in modern, if you just want to do some Perforos and some Changelings, that also works. You can activate Door to Nothingness if you're old mm. school and want to stay classy. <laughs> um, what do you think? I mean, is that crazy? Like, assuming that. You know, the Gigantha is free. The World Tree is pretty low cost. And, you know, I have to just come up with some other reason why I want Tyvar in the deck. I just want Tyvar because he's cool. I'm looking for excuses, not for reasons. I kind of like it if you also combine, like, Kiora does the same thing without giving haste, right? But it, So if we go, like, three Gigantha main deck, four Kiora, four Tyvar, th one Gigantha as a thing, and then maybe just, like, carry adds and stuff to do it the hard way if we don't get to Gigantha. Hmm. My worry is that your clock is basically non-existent. Mm -hmm. Like your proposed kill happens pretty late in the game. Uh, at the same time, I do like, you know, Tyvar, I think is a lot of times in decks like this going to end up with a bunch of extra mana. So 
that's the turn that you just put Jagatha into your hand. It's not crazy. Like I, I don't. I think this deck cannot win like sideboarded games, but I, I think as a a game one deck, it doesn't sound actually that bad to me. And, and yeah, you can't ever be control. The problem is the clock. The, the 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 way you're describing winning is actually very legitimate. You're you're just like so slow. Yeah. I think the biggest detriment is that the previous versions of World Tree Combo, they all used Yorian as the companion just because you have to hide these gods in the deck somewhere without them interfering too much with the game plan. <laughs> you need the 80 card deck in order to make um you know, make it not suck so much to draw all these extra copies of Perforos and Clothis. So maybe this is a deck where we keep Gigantha's Companion and we just play 80 cards anyway. Big deck energy. I have a friend who is just obsessed trying to hope Tyvar will work with Doughty Worldwalker and just wants to play a Doughty Worldwalker rock deck, and I can't convince him that that's going to be a terrible idea. Oh, for value. Okay, hold off on the value for a sec. i got to propose a couple more combos okay, okay, before okay. we get to we got, that We've got to stick to the combo yet. <laughs> okay. So the, my, my uh, verdict there is I like the combo, but the deck will be bad. But the combo okay. itself is good. The problem right. is everything else you have to play around it is bad. Then my point is, if we find a way to, to win in a more efficient way with that, then like just put that shell somewhere else. And when we get the right win condition, then we're ready to go. Okay, another suspect combo. Gwena, Eyes of Gaia, plus Acerarak, the Archlich. You do need another cost reducer, but the theory is that Gwena taps for two. Gwena, Acerarak comes in, untaps Gwena, just keep doing it again, venturing into the dungeon. Gwena, unfortunately, is CMC3, but you do have to, like, untap with it. That's part of the reason why that combo sucks. <laughs> That's one of the many reasons, the other being it's bugged on Magic Online. Um, do you think that there's any hope for that with Tyvar? I don't think Tyvar changes anything. The other problem is all these cards are very unique. You have to find an Acerac, Um is the actual main problem. So your deck still needs to play like Coco to try to find Acerac. The haste part of the Gwena is is not even that big of a deal. Because you can do it other ways, right? You can play the three-mana artifact that reduces the cost of black creatures that also drains one with an elf and another cost reducer. So there's a bunch of ways to do the, the mana part of it. That mm. that has not been the limiting factor. It's the fact that Acerac is is a one-of-one one and we don't have good tutor effects in Pioneers uh, is what you're describing. Obviously, there's an Acerac combo Spikes played a little bit in, in Modern. Um, and then all the individual cards are terrible <laughs> is another problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking it would be like Collected Company as my main way to find the combo pieces, but maybe I, I build the rest of the deck with Mana Dorks, Fiend Arisons, and Fauna Shamans, which do benefit from Tyvor. Going back on the Fauna Shaman train, we cannot we can't abandon the Shaman. <laughs> I don't know, just spitballing here. Okay, so so no on Gwena. I th I think it does help it, but I think it's like it's a rounding error, right? Like you know whatever. Let's say the deck is a sixty two percent deck, right? It's like a D deck now, and then now it's like a D plus deck, right? It's like sixty eight percent or something. I'm letting everybody know. I'm looking at the cards Dan has selected to take the time to write. Discussing Tyvar's ability, and there's some cards here that are so bad I can never hear their name. We don't have to discuss them. These are just for research. These are the deep cuts for the patrons. No, no, I know. I access know. to the full research. Also, I will say, Dan, if, even if the deck is good, we won't know because Magic Online, as you know, is so many clicks on Astarac. Nobody wants to do it, and people do not throw down to it. They want to win by time. 
So it's one of those that, let's say it was actually like a little better than we thought. It was like kind of tier two. We wouldn't know until we had a paper tournament and somebody like some psycho, like you or me or somebody would have to like figure out that the deck is actually pretty good and like run it in paper a bunch of times and then like unveil it at a paper tournament because no one wants to grind leagues in this way. I have that issue with a popper card. In a popper deck I want to make, but the card is not empty show legal, which means if I wanted to play that deck, I would have to figure it out all by myself. Yeah. It's the exact same problem. All right, so that is a no on Gwena. Sad Gwena. What about Diamond Lion combo? All right, tell everyone what Diamond Lion does, Dan, the forgotten MH2 card. <laughs> it's literally... I was hoping you knew... <laughs> A two-mana bear. I know what it does. Lid. <laughs> yeah, so it taps to discard your hand and make three mana of any color. Activate only as an instant. That's the Lion's Eye Diamond restriction. So basically, before you can spend the mana, you have to complete the discard in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's best used to cast an Echo of Eons from the graveyard. This is a Modern Horizons card, so we're not talking about Pioneer at all. Is there something here, like a bootleg Lion's Eye Diamond combo? With Tyvar, you can activate the lion's, excuse me, the diamond lion with haste, and you can actually do it twice because of Tyvar's minus two. Okay, so, and the, and the point is the Echo of Eons can only be cast from your graveyard for the three mana. So the, the mill ability here actually kind of does everything we want, right? It helps find our diamond lion. It also puts, in theory, Echo of the Eons in the graveyard. It has to be either in our hand or in our top three. That's actually starting to become a thing to me. I, I am actually kind of a believer in this. I don't know what the rest of the deck would look like. Uh, sometimes you see it paired with Narset, um, sometimes with Riddlesmith. I'm not confident in this, but <laughs> more maybe you can <laughs> noodle on this for a while. You're our modern expert. I can noodle this, but the hopes are low. The other card that you might pair with Diamond Lion is Goblin Charbelcher. That actually was like a fringe build of the Charbelcher combo deck, which is throw some Diamond Lions in, because once you have the Charbelcher in play, the Diamond Lion gives you exactly enough to activate it. Now, how would that work with Tyvar? Well, maybe you're just building like a blue Charbelcher deck <laughs> with, um, you know, like Emery or something who can get back the Diamond Lion or the Charbelcher. And then the Tyvar provides you a burst of four to six mana off the Diamond Lion, and that's enough to recast and activate the Charbelcher. That sounds dreamy. <laughs> Suspect, but Blue Belcher. Just throwing that out there. But So then you also can't play lands in your deck, right? With the, in your Char Belcher deck? Okay. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting like deck building question, right? Because what you're saying is actually sweet if it happens. It's sort of like the, um, the god combo you described. It's like when you get to do the combo, it's sweet. You just have to play all these gods in your deck and then never draw them because you need them to be in the deck when you do your thing. Yes. All right, this last one is for you, David. What about Kiora's Follower plus Unctus? <clears throat> so Kiora's Follower, just so people know, is blue-green for a 2-2 that taps to untap any other target permanent. Kind of a cool card. It's actually like, well, again, I think lots of cards are underplayed. Underexplored. Uh, with Unctus, if you have two Kiora's Followers in play, they can tap each other, untap each other, excuse me, infinitely, and you can loot through your deck, right? And you can win... In a variety of ways, but you're probably going to play the the blue blue from uh, a one three that you win if you have uh, less than less cards than your devotion. Um, I don't think that it changes anything there, right? It, it just gives haste to those cards. 
haste and some you know protection from removal you can get back the curious follower yeah so the problem well maybe it's something the thing is like coco already gives haste to your creatures right like functionally like cocoing on, on their end of turn is the same as tyvar so tyvar has to be a thing where it actually finds the pieces now it all the other untap effects cost three and unctus itself costs three so tyvar is only good with specifically Kiora's follower. Okay. The Saltai mana base is okay, although not great, and Kiora's follower being blue-green is tough. Uh, but there might be something there. Like, you'd have to play four Coco, like three Tyvar, and then everything else is just a combo, and you'd have to really find Unctus, or you lose. It's Unctus or Unctus. Well, it's making me think that... The minus two from Tyvar actually helps you play stuff like Eldritch Evolution more plausibly, or Fiendars, or even Vanifar to find these pieces. I think you got Neoform in this deck, likely. Sure, Neoform your follower into the Unctus, Tyvar to minus two, get back the cure. I mean, you still need to find that second follower, but thanks to the ability to reanimate these creatures with haste, you know, we could be a little more confident sacrificing a piece to find another piece. Yeah. Confident. And well, I mean, well, the, the to your point, Dan. Like, so you you can make a bunch of decks with Tybar, where you can convince yourself you can go all in on the combo. So the deck that we're describing would have no interaction at all, and we just hope to win by turn four. And we just have to like build them and see how frequently we can do that. Yeah. So yeah, you have you have Unctus on three. There's also a bunch of other untapped creatures on three, so you can play a couple of those, which are also uh, Neoform targets. And then you have your two mana cards, and then you have four Coco, and you know whatever four Tybar. And then after board, because you're playing black, you like board in four Thoughtseize to try to stop disruption. And there's just like a bunch of decks like that in Pioneer that are sort of glass cannons. And you just have to see like, is this the best one? Because it's lower to the ground maybe. Or, or the the problem is all these cards, all these decks are very vulnerable to creature removal while also being glass cannons in a way that Lotus Field is immune to almost all normal interaction and is a glass cannon. So it's like... Not that I want to like prop up Lotus Field, but it's really hard to make a deck that a better combo deck is a glass cannon deck that's better than Lotus Field because Lotus Field can kill you on turn four, so it still has a fast clock, and then it, you know like Fatal Push has no targets there or whatever you blow up the O three wall, but Fatal Push here like disrupts our combo. We can't win. <laughs> Abrupt decay. Any <laughs> any creature in your deck? Is it my turn? <laughs> All right, so maybe maybe that's enough about combos then. That's a, a good a good reason to look at the fair uses of Tyvar. I've said all I have to say about the combo cards. What about creatures that just get you ahead, right? Creatures that work well with Tyvar. We mentioned some already. We mentioned Stoneforge. We mentioned uh, Giver of Ruins. What else do you guys like? So, of course, we have all the mana dorks. We have Finn Artisan as a mid-range stuff. And then we have... I think a bit more sketchy ones like Doughty and Oswald. Yeah, I mean, Oswald has hit, seen some play in Modern. That's a card I really think is interesting. I don't know exactly how would he play. The black and green added to the Oswald is not trivial. I, it, no chance in, in Pioneer, but that's kind of interesting. It'd be a weird, weird colors for an artifact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Like black and green add nothing to the artifact theme. I'm interested in Emery. I think that that works with the self-mill part of Tyvar. Unfortunately, Emery is CMC3, so she doesn't come back from Tyvar. Uh, I'm interested in 
Fable of the Mirror Breaker, actually, you know, that's actually not a bad curve. Fable on three, Tyver on four, Reflection comes back with Haste on turn five. That doesn't actually win necessarily, but we've all seen how annoying Reflection of Kiki Jiki can be once it actually gets to activate a bunch of times. Mm. Priest of Felrites in Modern, I mean, that seems extremely dangerous to me. Play it for two with haste, immediately get back whatever you want. Maybe that's the way to get Atraxa into play. Okay, that's a spicy one. I like that. I like uh, Jace Friend's Prodigy as well. Like, you minus three. You put Jace in play, so you have at least two cards in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. And so Jace is actually like... It's it's nice because you play Jace on two, it dies. Okay, fair. Um, but if you played a one-mana spell and Jace on two, then Tyvor on three often can just flip Jace, which is really nice it, through a removal. Yeah, the mill three, super early on there. And you can make a deck where the removal isn't that good, uh, except for just to kill Jace, right? That happens a lot in game one. It, it kind of sucks that Tyvor maybe doesn't have that many targets. But then once Jace flips, the removal that was good against it, right? Fatal Push is no longer good against it once it's a Planeswalker. Um, oh, yeah. So that's kind of interesting. That's a fun one. I do love the Sultai Chase stream. Sultai Gorios. Hmm. <laughs> Do you guys like basic elf tribal elvish arch druid with a two mana elf lord that lets you pay an extra green to draw cards whenever you cast elves? I think you need a full playset or have elf and there might be a deck there, but I'm still not sure. Like it's insane or just super weak. There is the pioneer legal version of elvish arch druid. It's called Circle of Dreams Druid. So this is a two format possibility. Yeah, green, green, green. Yeah. I saw people tweeting about that. I have to see the deck. I've never played an Elves deck that impressed me, but maybe this is the card. You already want to play black because you want to win with like Coco into the 3-2 that does damage for all the number of Elves you have in play. Um, and this is like a supplemental plan there is maybe good enough. The problem is all the two mana Elves you can get back are actually not very good. So the minus two is not as good as we're used to seeing. All right. It's just the Lord you're describing. None of the mm-hmm. other good elves exist, right? Like, if there's a priest of Titania or something, that would be so right. sweet. <laughs> if only we had a priest of Titania. Catilda Dawnheart Prime is kind of like that for humans. Kind of. <laughs> oh, we're going deep. I mean, I've seen some people propose, like, a Catilda, Rite of Harmony, Priest of Forgotten Gods, some kind of weird humans that make mana combo deck. With like Rally the Ancestors and Cartel Aristocrats and stuff. And if you had Tyvor there, you could just go off. That's that's the theory. I haven't actually mathed that out, how that actually works. Yeah, and you know, part of it is, I, I will just admit, like, I don't play a lot of tribal decks. As, if people who listen to the podcast know, I don't propose a lot of them. The only person who had success with humans in all of Pioneer is Claudio. And he's not proposing lists like this. So that's the thing that kind of like raises my eyebrow is if someone else is saying this is a thing we could do or should do, why isn't the best humans player by far in Pioneer even thinking in that direction? Like Kadilda is the only tap ability that we're really describing of a human, right? There isn't any other one. That's the main issue, right? You need Kadilda. Well, there's Priest of Forgotten Gods is the other one. But I guess it, it actually, maybe I shouldn't have described it as a human's deck. It's a Rally of the Ancestors deck that happens to only play humans. Oh, okay. That's a different lie. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rally decks have existed for a while, though. So this just makes a few cards better. I I guess it does also fill the graveyard. That's interesting. Not my specialty either, but just something that I came across. I mean, the thing with all these graveyard decks is like red-blue is kind of fading. I'd still call it a tier one deck, but it 
like people are cutting some of their main deck graveyard hate. They're too, they're only playing maybe like one hearse on the sideboard, and they're playing like piling needle instead. The random graveyard hate is the thing that was keeping all these other decks down. Like after board, everyone just has a way to just beat you. So if people are cutting that because blue red is a little worse, then that helps all these other you know tier Z decks that can't like work. Yeah, Grease Fang sucks. So there's not a lot of reasons to play hard graveyard hate right now. Yeah, no many dick. <laughs> I mean, it sucks until you play it and you're like, man, what the hell's going on? Why, why is my opponent turn three Grease Fanging me? Grease Fang sucks until you play against Grease Fang. I just saw Fire Shears had tweeted out some metagame stats, and Grease Fang was one of the absolute worst performing current meta decks. Below only Mono Green. <laughs> so. The thing is, like, the thing that keeps Grease Fang down is that Red Blue just plays a main deck one mana answer to it without any extra effects. Hmm. But if, like, Blue Red people play less of, then people cut their graveyard hate a little bit more, and then Blue Red keeps Abzan down. So if Blue Red drops a lot, then people play less graveyard hate, and one of Grease Fang's bad matchups goes away. So it's like a weird force multiplier. But again, the problem is Blue Red and Grease Fang are both better graveyard decks than... Rally the Ancestors, so you just catch <laughs> random strays. Like, no one is playing hate to stop your Rally the Ancestors deck, but they're ready for Grease Fang or whatever, and then they just freaking roast you. All right, so we have four actual deck lists from David and Pioneer. Before we get to those, last chance, do you guys want to give a shout-out to any of these other random creatures that happen to work with Tyvar? I have a long list here. <laughs> All right, I want to shout out to Mord's friend, whoever that is. I actually love the idea of Dothy Boyfalker and Tyvar. <laughs> that just seems awesome to me. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it until you said it in a way to mock this person. And whoever he or she is, I'm actually on board for that. That, that sounds really good. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a player that has been playing for a long while and it's still a Shandlaver. You know, you know the archetype. Yeah, a savvy veteran in the process. He knows. A savvy veteran, plays humans, plays Shan, unwilling to transform. Like, you just thought sees whatever with Dothy Voidwalker out, and eventually you're going to get a Dothy Voidwalker back to cast whatever sweet spell you're... Like, you're going to get to cast their... It's like, you know, whatever. Yanos vamos! Like, we're ready to roll! <laughs> so you go, turn one Thoughtseize, discard something, turn two Dothy... It, sorry, turn two, discard again, turn three T-Bar, and somehow it survives, and turn four you go, Dothy, Dothy. Well, you have to Thoughtseize with Dothy Voidwalker in play, oh, right? Oh, yeah. So we go, turn three T-Bar, turn four Dothy, Thoughtseize... Thoughtseize. Yeah. And then you just you play Grief, too, so you can do it, like, for free. Perfect. And you just face turn every single game. And then maybe you're playing, like, the mill can be good if you play, like, um, what's the red-black creature that escapes from the graveyard? Like, filling your graveyard is relevant there. I would play Priest of Felrights. I think that mm -hmm. would be a nice way to complement the package. Oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah, we can play actual good cards if you want to. We can do that. And then you also just hose every graveyard deck randomly because you're playing four Dothy main deck. All right, so we like Dothy Voidwalker. Well, I do. I don't know about we. <laughs> I don't want to bring more down to my level. I also like Emery, Dan. I think I think Emery's actually interesting. The fact that mm -hmm. they both fill the graveyard means like you can, even if you miss on creatures, you can just find stuff for Emery to cast. So what I'd really start to look for is interesting artifact creatures that cost two or less that we'd want to bring back. I don't know what those are. Well, there's a Steel Overseers on this list, as is Hangerback Walker. I don't know if those are doing the right hmm. kind of artifacts, but they both work with Tyvar. 
Hangerback Walker doesn't exactly come back into play with Tyvar. I mean, it briefly does <laughs> until Correct. state base effects are checked. Correct. Right now in Weaponsmith, if you want more ways to get your Diamond Lion Goblin Charbelcher mana, hmm. <laughs> I'm talking okay. about... Okay, all right. <laughs> or maybe it's not Charbelcher, maybe it's something else, but you'll have a lot of mana for the graveyard. So Steel Overseer pumps itself, right? It's all artifact creatures, not all other? Correct, yeah. Okay. What about you, Mord? Any creatures here in this long list? I w- I'm super excited about the prospect of a Priest of Fell Rites or a Chase Rings Prodigy archetype. Like, Rift of Rides into a Draxa seems like a insane dream. Just played in a super grindy shell that's mostly interaction and a reanimation Tyvar plan. Might suck or might not. Likely sucks. You'll never beat my four main deck Douthy Voidwalkers. I mean, it's a new meta. You're never going to get your reanimator plan. <laughs> you can go through all these Douthys, and when you kill back, I just Tyvar it back. <laughs> They're unstoppable. Gorio's Vengeance works with Jace, and it works with either Gristlebrand or Atraxa, whichever one you decide is better. One reason that people might still play Gristlebrand is because it allows you to draw 14 and then draw some griefs to like disarm yeah. the opponent. So that, that could be a way to do this. And then Priests to give you a little more of that reanimation density while making Tyvar good. You're also going to just have these awesome scenarios, right? Where you have the reanimator spell and a tie bar on play. You just have to do it blind. And like this turn, you have to hit a target or you lose. <laughs> so it's going to be great for content is, I guess, what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. The number of times I can see myself just casting turn three T-bar and going, okay, minus two hits, nope, reveal Kiki, win the game. And have the top four cards line up in a way where you just mill three, hit a snope, and the fourth card is a Kiki. Content. <laughs> What do you think about a card like Shigeki Jukai Visionary? Totally different style of deck. This is grindy pioneer mid-range. What was the activated ability exactly on Shigeki? It's one in a green to return it to your hand, and then it looks at your top four cards, puts a land and a play tap. So it's like a bad Sakura Tri Builder. A very bad Sakura Tri Builder. Okay, so I can pay four to do that hastily? That doesn't suck. I have seen worse. Like, turn 3 TR. Well, in theory, in theory, Tyvar brings it back into play. You block on their turn and return it to your hand. You can also, oh. It also fills your graveyard with things it can put. You can channel it, get it back, bounce it to hand, and channel again. Yeah. Yeah. And get back Tyvar with the channel and just do the most annoying loop I have ever seen in my magic career. <laughs> I mean, as someone who played a 4 Shigeki deck to a near 5-0, it sounds something like something I'd at least look at okay it occurred to me that okay that's another surprise graveyard enabler right like shigeki and tyvar both fill the graveyard incidentally all right well keep these cards in mind there's a much longer list for anyone who wants access to the extended show notes. Yeah, Dan, Dan went pretty <laughs> deep into it. I, I don't know all these cards myself. Fadisha Seer. Fadia Seer. I didn't know this card existed before I saw it in this list. Oh, it's great. No, it's not. Weaver of Harmony. You want to double up your Leyline Binding triggers with haste? All kinds of stuff here. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff. It's a recombiner. <laughs> I would love for a scale stack to exist with Steel Overseer and Scrapier Recombiner. And Arkham Daxon, because why not? Alright, so those are in the extended show notes for those of you who are members of the Faithless Brewing Patreon. On to the deck lists. David, I'm going to turn it over to you here. 
you have, looks like, four different sketches already completed for Pioneer. Yeah, okay, so first list. I had proposed a Sidisi Brood Tyrant list not too long ago. I 4-1 with the first uh, time I went through. The deck actually felt pretty good. I played it again. I think I won four, and then I think I told everybody in the Discord to, that I was off it. Um, so one of the things that's cool with Sidisi is she mills, and there's a bunch of random cards that mill. Old Rutstein is in the deck. Uh, Liliana Death's uh, Majesty happens to mill. Also, it's a reanimator uh, effect. So if you mill your... Titan of Industry. Um, Liliana can get it back. If you just have a Sedisi in play, Liliana pluses, makes a zombie, and possibly if it mills another creature, makes two zombies. So you can go wide and tall. I was playing the three-mana Liliana that's legal in Pioneer in that list because it does mill. The plus doesn't kill very much. Tyvar is just a way better version of that. So it mills already. It can get back something while it does it, though, instead of putting it to your hand. So that's way better. It doesn't require black-black in a deck that's three colors. That matters a little bit. And then I had the idea, Dan and I have a... Or I, I, I don't want to include Dan if, if he... The card Eternal Scourge is actually insane against Jund way back when. When when uh, Jund, when Modern was uh, was Modern. Armored Scrap Gorger is a really interesting card. Dan was teasing me for calling it a werebear, but it is. It's like a werebear. It is a werebear. It's main deck graveyard hate, which is relevant against a few archetypes. It eventually becomes a 3-3, so it's a little different than Sylvan Carryout. It starts trading, and 3-3 is the magic number, right? Trades with Bone Crusher Giant, trades with um, Graveyard Trespasser, trades with the um, the 3-2 vampire that makes a zombie, right? Or excuse me. The Harvester. So it trades, it trades with everything. Eternal Scourge is also 3-3, and it, Red Black cannot get rid of it. So with Armored Scrap Gorger, we also have our own Graveyard Trespasser and a Murderous Cut. We're also looting towards this engine, if you want to call it, where we just keep putting this 3-3 in play, and it just trades. Every time it's in play, it blocks the 2-2 the from wherever. So it's just a mid-range plan. We've just increased our matchup spread across mid-range because we're playing Eternal Scourge. We've increased our matchup range across all graveyard decks because we're playing four main deck armored scrap gorgers. And then we still have our like unfair plan where we get back Titan of Industry to go over the top of other lists. Okay. And we're interactive. Four four push, four thoughtsies, right? The three tangle florahedron as extra lands. Yeah, so our creature density is high because we have to mill creatures to trigger our CDC. Yeah. I like this. A few one-offs that seem a bit weird, but the Eternal Scourge Armor Scrap Gorger shenanigans just look beautiful. So the Scrap Gorger is really the featured card here. That's the reason we're confident that Tyvar will actually do something. Without the Scourge, there's almost nothing in the deck that benefits from Tyvar's static or his plus one. I'm wondering if we should add more creatures like that. I, I do like the Scrap Gorger. I think it's here, it's Werebear and Deathrite Shaman combined into one. It's It's beautiful. And you're getting around the biggest challenge for the Scrap Gorger is that you don't get the oil counter unless it successfully removes something from a graveyard. So you will like yeah. run out of graveyard targets, but not in this deck. Here you have Tyvar and Sidisi to fill up the graveyard. Yeah, worth noting, if the graveyards are empty, it doesn't gain an oil counter. Like if, the, if, if it doesn't get to exile something, it just does nothing. It just doesn't get the counter. It gets mana, but not a counter. Yeah, the other thing I hated in the previous version was you were playing four Tassiger to take advantage of all this milling, but Tassiger sucks. It can't attack freely into things. It's easy to go over the top of it. You don't ever get the card back that you want. Like, it draws whatever card they want you to have. It's very bad. So now we don't have to play that. Eternal Scourge, much better than Tassiger, weirdly. Um, 
And Armored Scrapgorger has to take a card out of the graveyard. So if you filled your graveyard with a bunch of stuff, you don't want to play too many cards with Delve because it actually must remove cards from a graveyard if it can. So if your opponent has no cards, you've already yeah. stripped their, them clean, you're going to take away your ability to Delve. That's why there's only one Delve card in here, which is Murderous Cut. I will say it was really hard to find cards with tap ability. I was like, oh, is there some cool card I could reanimate, you know, that like at six or seven that we never play? There's no card, maybe because they know that we want coming to play effects on our big mana cards. I searched for rare cards, creatures, four or greater in all Pioneer and all colors. There's nothing that intrigued me uh, with a tap ability with Tyvar, which is really shocking. Literally nothing? I mean, there are a few cards, but I mean... You'd have to look them up not, more. Not I, I, I mean, I, I didn't even remember some of them existed. It's It, it was stunning how bad they, they were. <laughs> Sometimes they are just all bad. Like, there's no no fixing. And then Tybar also, because it can untap mana dorks, just makes our, like, fairer plan better. Like, you can cast Titan of Industry pretty reasonably, right? Like, instead of casting it on turn yeah. 7 or 8, you can cast it on turn 5 or 6. It's not, like, magical Christmas land. And a turn 5 Titan of Industry is very good. A random treasure from Rudstain and a scrap culture make it so casting isn't impossible at all. Yeah. See, so you have one copy of Priest of Forgotten Gods, maybe just to remind us that we should consider that card for this show. What if we went harder on Priests and we played like Stitcher Supplier and other crappy stuff like, um, you know, cheap fodder so that I'm triggering a lot more self mill? And I don't worry so much about like this Titan of Industry reanimation ramp endgame. I just focus on Sadisi as like the top of my curve. So you wouldn't play anything in the far right? You wouldn't play Noxious Gearhawk? You wouldn't play either Liliana or the three Titans? Yeah, I'm thinking I would cut all that, go up to four Priest of Forgotten Gods, add four Citrus Supplier, and maybe replace some of the interaction with creatures. It would be a different deck, but just like... Uh, what if Sadisi is like meant to flood the board early with little dudes, Narcomibas, <laughs> prize amalgams? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I don't like prize amalgam. That's a that's a Dan Shriver type of uh, plan. Hmm. I mean, I, I like playing decks that interact, right? So my default is to find ways to just build mid range decks that go over the top of the existing mid range deck and can still win the combo matchups. But you like building decks that are moving lots of pieces from one uh are you yeah and what you're describing is exactly i mean we'd have to build it and see it maybe that is much better it'd be it'd be worth finding out because i well we, i've got a deck with four priests of the gods coming up but priest of the forgotten gods is the exact kind of card that tyvar makes very interesting yeah your next deck here actually is an example of what that could look like with such a supplier although you're not playing the supplier so maybe we can just transition here to this next build and see like how the package would look yeah so this is tyvar abzan again uh, the other thing i want to add is the fact that none of the cards that really work great with tyvar they all kind of require a third color is a real cost in pioneer and the the yeah the decks where you're playing blue green and tyvar and white cards where you're playing four colors that is a huge cost so this is this is just abzan so Tyvar has a reanimation ability. That is very useful for Priest of the Forgotten Gods. It's also really good with Archfiend's Vessel, which is a card we've used a lot in, at times with Priest of Forgotten Gods. So it brings it back as a 5-5. Five, five. Uh, it untaps Priest of Forgotten Gods. Priest of Forgotten Gods is great with Archfiend's Vessel. We have a bunch of other cards that are fodder for Priest. We have Resolute Reinforcements. That's two bodies on one card. We have one Jadar. That's two bodies on one card. Um, 
To go along with all the two bodies on one card, we have Gix, which turns those bodies into card draw. Um, we have four Luminarch Aspirin. I think it's just the best two mana card in these three colors, actually, just a straight up on power level. Um, yeah. Pumping Archfiend's Vessel is actually very important when you don't, don't draw your sac effects, uh, as we found during Rafine Week. So just like turn one Vessel, turn two Luminarch Aspirin is actually almost unbeatable for like spirits. Because you're just attacking with a two-power lifelink on turn two, three-power on turn three, etc. Um, and then you have Tyvar. You also have replicative effects. So you have Extraction, Specialist, and Tyvar. They both get back. Uh, Vessel, right, is a 5-5. Five, five. They both get back Luminarc Aspirin. It starts pumping things. Uh, I have one of Pride Sovereign. I don't know if it's good enough or not. It's just so sweet with Tyvar because it uh, lets you untap it even with the Exert. And you just generate a shit ton of 1-1 uh, lifelink cats, hmm. and it becomes huge itself. Uh, we have a 1 of Legion's Landing, just because we have so many bodies running around, and it eventually ends up making creatures, or turns into a land. And then we're just playing 4 push, 4 Thoughtseize. Just... Thoughtseize is the best card in the format, um, so yeah. you, you should try to find a way to play it if you're playing black. We're playing black in Pioneer, of course we're playing the playset of, 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 of Thoughtseize and Push. There's a reason to be playing black in Pioneer. And push is great, because we have so many ways to lose creatures right priest comes into play sacks two things turns on your push makes two black mana uh we even have thraben inspector which is a body to sacrifice it also is a good home to use all your extra mana because you just turn the the clue into a creature or you clue into a land into a card in your hand yeah into a card this looks beautiful i like the way that gix forces them to block the archfiend's vessel an archfiend's vessel in play is kind of like it's like a liability for you like you really need it dead and they will just ignore it for as long as they can but with gix and to some extent with luminarch aspirant they have to do something about the, the vessel so i think that's a nice little bit of a problem solving yeah and that that was we we really found that during the rafine week is you have to find a way to make them kill vessel for you um and if you get if you just get vessel into a three three lifelink like spirits has a really hard time racing that if you're doing anything else so it, it just changes the matchup spread uh like noticeably so my suggestion for this deck would be to take the Thoughtseize and just move into the sideboard. Like I know that it's an important card in some matchups, but there's a bunch of matchups where it's actually it's just hurting your synergies. It's not actually helping you that much. Anything that plays to the board, I would rather have another one drop. I might consider just like straight up swap, put in the Search of Suppliers. You know, maybe cut the Resolute Reinforcements for Charming Princes or something. You know, just like focus more on that. Go up to four extraction specialists. I don't know. What do you think, David? Yeah, I mean, you love playing these super high synergy decks, and I don't like playing cards that are bad. Like, such a supplier is a bad card, right? It's <laughs> only good if you're doing all these other things. And I, I'm on David's boat. I, I just get nervous doing that. Like, I, I have a really high stress level playing decks that you have tons of success with, Dan. And, and so I think it's interesting your instinct is to follow what you have success with, and I, my instinct is to follow what I have success with. Like, Citrus Supplier on turn one is such a bad play. It's so bad. It's bad against almost everything. Well, you need another way to turn it into value. I think Gix is part of that equation. Maybe Fiend Artisan is the two-drop you want, in addition to the Priest. You know, it... Oh. Build the big graveyard, get a big creature. Now we're cooking. Like, I, I don't think Resolute Reinforcements is actually gonna, like, repay our faith in it. If it's just there to be priest fodder. Yeah, but Resolute Reinforcement is great priest fodder alongside Extraction Specialist. Likely one of the best possible fodders, even. It's also quite good with Gix. 
The thing with Archfiend is you kind of need to be a deck that doesn't want to be attacking every turn because you're taking turns off to sack stuff, right? True. True. <laughs> Cut four Thoughtseize, play four Stitcher Supplier. I mean, it's a thing you can't. I, it's just, that's, that's just my, it just goes against my instinct. It's like rubbing a cat the wrong way on its back. Like I just like take Thoughtseize out of my deck to play a bad card. Maybe it's right, but I don't know if I want to live in that world. <laughs> if it's right, I don't want to be right. <laughs> Well, you were saying, David, that the decks that are showing up in the five O's are the ones that don't interact, right? They they don't interact unless they absolutely have to. And I think that just saying we have to play four thoughts is four push when everything else in the deck is screaming creature, creature, creature synergy. Don't. I don't know. That was that was what led me down this path. Here's the thing: game first game you play against Lotus Field, you're like, oh man, I, just, I really wish I had these four thoughtsies in my deck. <laughs> now I only have to play two real games against them. I just have to draw my thought seasons in my sideboard games. I will say, if you do what Dan does, if, you, if you're doing what Dan proposes, it's not wrong. You could then main deck Thalia. Right? If you just cut, you could cut all the, all the one mana spells and Tyvar is your only non-creature spell. Then you could play like three Thalia main. Which is kind of what we were doing in the Rafine deck. I think I was still playing uh, four pushes or some number of pushes for interaction. Screw it. Just play for Kogo. Good. Could do. <laughs> take out this, take out push, take out landing. Uh, four of the bad card that is saying at four Finardisan and... Sorry, at one Finardisan and four Cocos and you have 31 hits. Options. And nothing can go wrong. There's options. All right, your next deck here does include Finardisans, which is what's getting me thinking down these tracks. But you're not using it here for its attacking and blocking prowess. You're using it here as a tutor. Yeah, so this is a list. I mean, people had played a Bant list to a 5-0, playing this sort of, if you want to call it combo, Prime Speaker, Vanifar, Extraction Specialist, Glass Pool Mimic, uh, Corridor Monitor. So what you do is you sack your Corridor Monitor, either sack a one drop to get a Corridor Monitor, or you sack a Corridor Monitor if it's in play. You get an Extraction Specialist, it brings back Corridor Monitor, untaps Prime Speaker, Vanifar. You repeat this process until you get as many Extraction Specialists as you have in your deck in play. And then you continue on and make get as many glass pool mimics as you have in your deck. So let's say you had all eight in your deck when you started this process. You end up with four extraction specialists, four glass pool mimic, and on your last trigger with Prime Speaker Vanifar, you get a three drop that grants haste to everything. I have Tuk Tuk Rebel Fort, uh, three mana, O3 Defender Reach creatures you control have haste. Yeah, that's to be the best wing con in in Pioneer. Sort of limited card pool. So then, so then in theory, you know, you when you got to untap with your Vanifar, you went from having a one drop in play to getting to attack with eight three three creatures uh, with lifelink. Um, and as we know, eight times three is twenty four, and our opponent only has twenty life. So that's the quote unquote combo. Just a quick question about the Tuk Tuk Rebel Fort. Some people propose Keldon Strike Team as the last creature instead of Tuk Tuk Rebel Fort. Do you feel like there's a meaningful difference here, or is this just details? I think it might be even, I think the team might be even better. I just forget about its existence randomly. Strike team is a 3-1 for 3. The turn that it comes into play, it grants haste to your team. The rest of the time, it does not grant haste. It seems better for the combo wars in the meanwhile. The, the one thing I will say is this combo gets stopped by Stomp, right? Where the other mm. one does not. So does that matter or not? Sometimes you can cast this with kicker. Um, in future turns, if you don't win, it's actually good to have the passive haste, which is one of the reasons why we think Tyvar is good here. So I don't know. 
I will say most red abilities are going to do more than two, so the difference between one and three doesn't really matter. I guess this also gets stopped by the the one mana. Uh, I play this card a lot, not that many other people do. The the MDFC that hmm. does one damage. Five feet hazard. Yeah. Does that matter? I, I you know again we're talking about pretty thin. Stomp is a card that that they're going to have in against you though, so that that is one thing to consider. Yeah, and in most case scenarios, if your opponent stomps and you cannot win that turn, having eight three-twos with lifelink on board is likely enough to still win that game. Yeah, I mean, they're probably playing a sweeper, though. Like, you really do want to win that turn because, like, red-black or blue-white okay. or blue-black or whatever. But again, against black removal, it's the same. There's no difference. Yeah, exactly. Like, the only scenario where stomp punishes you is stomping to extinction event, which is bound to happen eventually, but how consistently will that happen? Yeah. Great, great point. So yeah, th this deck has Fiend Artisan, as Dan said. That is a card that is very good with Tybar for the reasons that Dan's been elucidating. We have a ton of cards we specifically want to sacrifice, and the card that is really the, the highlight here is Voice of Resurgence. So Sacking Voice gives us a body, and the body is likely to get very big because our deck is all creatures, except for the Tybar. Um... I have some mana elves. I have Sylvan Carry added because our mana base is miserable. I have uh, just a couple removal creatures that we can tutor up. One Reflector Mage, one Deputy of Detention. Obviously full suite of Extraction Specialist, Glasspool Mimic. And then a couple of random cards. Scavenging Ooze, obviously just a value card. Uh, Fauna Shaman, just Dan and I are old. Maybe that should just be the fourth Fiend Artisan. Uh, hmm. One of Selfless Spirit, awesome card to tutor up at the end of this if you can't kill them with haste to just protect yourself from sweepers. Uh, yeah, that's it. The mana base is torturous. We're, we're even having to play mana confluence, even with the new fast lands oh. because of how bad the mana is. Um, but there's no way around it. And I, that's also why I'm not playing the full eight elves. People that are really trying to just nut draw, I think that's just asking for something that you cannot do uh, a reasonable amount of the time. So we are playing some carry added over elves for that reason. All right. The other card I saw in these builds that maybe with the mana base problems is just even bigger is alongside Nahiri. You're Nahiri. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nahiri would be good here, but man. <laughs> I mean, you're already splashing white and red, so. I am not splashing red. I'm never casting oh, no, Tuck <laughs> the Rebel Ford. <laughs> I have no idea how that mana base was functioning. Yeah, I, I think some people who play modern just think you can do this. Like, the, the mana base I have here is so miserable. Like, you're going to take a ton of damage from your lands. People just put the cards, like, if yes, if you can cast them all on turn one, yeah, you should play eight mana elves, but you you just aren't going to have that many sources. You're going to sometimes want to play stuff tapped. Mana elf doesn't always cast all your three drops on turn two. Um, so. I think that in order to improve the mana, you would have to, well, A, not splash Nahiri, but also maybe just not rely as much on white. Like, you don't have to play Voice of Resurgence, right? You're playing the four voice, the Selfless Spirit, a, reflect, a Reflector Mage, and a Deputy of Detention, plus the Extraction Specialists, which are necessary to the combo. So you're basically a green-white deck splashing black for Tyvar, splashing blue for the, the Prime Speakers, and also these Glass Pill Mimics that have to be there in the deck. The requirements get heavy, but what if I just, like, scale back on as much white as possible? Would that help me? Maybe? Sure, but I mean... You still have to have enough black on turn two, but you have to have green on turn one, and you still have to have blue untapped on turn three or four. 
Also, then what are you sacking? Like, again, everyone wants to go all in on the combo because no one's going to interact with it. It's like push stops this combo. <laughs> that I'm, again, making a deck that assumes my opponent's going to cast spells. So. <laughs> okay. Maybe you shouldn't. Like, having a voice in play is really important when you go for the combo. That the, People are going to be like, man, it's really nice that when they disrupt it by killing my prime speaker or they can't cast counterspell, it's like your opponent can play blue-white control and just three mana enchantment, <laughs> get rid of all your two drops or less. Like, the decks that people are proposing cannot beat that ever. They don't even have a way to, to destroy the enchantment. One other argument in favor of playing more mana elves is that I think this deck might have trouble finding the corridor monitor. Like, you've only got the one, and you only have five one-drops to tutor for it. I guess the Fiend Artisans can theoretically do that. Yeah, that's what the Fiend Artisan is here for. That's his show. I think the all-in I think the all-in versions want to play Eldritch Evolution or Neoform. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that it's going to be like the fair version will be something close to this, and a very unfair version that's all-in will play Eldritch Evolution, is, is how I think the decks will get bifurcated. And of course, the five-color Nahiri version <laughs> to rebuy the Prime Speaker. <laughs> of course. I mean, why not? Just go for it. Maybe it's maybe it's good enough. <laughs> maybe the key was just playing extremely greedy mana bases. <laughs> also, just Pything Needle is really good in general. I just want to point out to people: it's good against Lotus Field, and it's really good against this deck. The way, especially the shells people are proposing, cannot beat Pything Needle. So I would I would just start to think about piling needles at least a one or two of in your sideboard and pioneer. Do you know that if you add Nahiri to this pile, you actually have beautiful Niv Mizzet Reborn hits, and you can just like no Eldritch Evolution into Niv for value. Maybe Deathrite Shaman as your mana fixer because Tyvar is milling your Dan Dan stop that boat. Is it time to go to the next deck? Is that what you're telling me? It's time to move on. I mean, the moment you're talking about Banifar Neve, we might be going at that duty. We've gone too far. Science is going too far. All right, let's pull it back. I mean, I also I also said that I would let your shred blast me, bubble, and look at me, but... <laughs> Pulling it back. Last deck, David. All right, so this is... I'm trying to think of how long ago it was, but I had proposed and had some really reasonable success with the Soul Diviner uh, Thing in the Ice list. So Soul Diviner, blue, black for a 2-3 zombie wizard, and it taps to remove a counter from a permanent you have in play to draw a card. Well, you want to remove the counters from Thing in the Ice, so that made sense, and I think we were playing four Maze Mind Tomes in that list. Well... Pioneer's a lot faster now. All the decks are very uh, efficient, very fast, and you don't really have time to play like Maze Mind Tome, you know, like tap it to scry, then tap your Soul Diviner to draw. So I kind of moved away from that list. I haven't really mucked around with it, but Tyvar makes it very interesting because the two creatures I just described are two mana, and Soul Diviner yeah. wants to activate the turn that comes into play, and... Tyvar is a body, so it's already a planeswalker. We were, we were going to play weird planeswalkers just to have extra cards that had permits on them. So Tyvar pluses to untap Soul Diviner, and Soul Diviner removes that counter. So it's just an infinite self-howling mind for you, if with nothing else. With nothing else. Because Tyvar adds a counter to untap, unlike Kiora. And then it can bring back Soul Diviner with haste. It can bring back Thing in the Ice to try to flip against whatever. And then again, I mentioned when we were talking earlier, Jace Vrin's Prodigy is a card I'm... In general, skeptical yeah. play because it dies to everything. But with this deck, with considers and everything else, 
Tyvar actually lets you flip it very quickly, and then we're getting back all these value cards. We're getting to recast Thoughtseize, which I was just saying how beautiful that card is when I cast it twice. This deck list is so weird. <laughs> and then we have Ledger Shredder is a card that also just gets random counters and also fills up your graveyard for Jace Friend's Prodigy. So we still are playing one Maze Mind's Tome. It's very cool. We have all these ways to draw. Well, we get to play Shieldred, which is a new card. We get all these benefits from all these extra draws that we're getting. It's it's also very good in the unfair matchup, trying to punish his Lotus Field. Uh, and then other than that, we're just playing a ton of interaction, which is, again, what I like to play. <laughs> I like to cast magical spells that affect my opponent. So it's just removal, hand disruption, card advantage. That's all we're doing. When you first sent me these deck lists, David, I thought this was like using Tyvar in the worst of the options. But now I think this is the best the best one <laughs> i think this is actually like the most successful you have sold him so deeply on the power <laughs> of soul diviner he has made a complete loop well my thought process was oh there's only eight cards that tap but actually having seen more of these decks it's actually very hard to get that number like very few decks play that many tappers so this is on par or above average in that category this deck sticks very very closely to the two cmc uh, there's only the two Shale Dreads on top. Everything else is eligible for being returned by Tyvar, and these are high-value creatures. Most of the other decks are playing like pretty crappy mana dork stuff they can just ignore. This deck, these creatures can't be ignored. Like They have to be killed. So, well, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> They're high-value creatures. <laughs> so in that Saying sense, they like, must be removed when talking about Soul Diviner feels a tad too much, but we get the point. It's powerful. I'm convinced. That's all I'm saying. I, I like this one. Again, the splash, because Tyvar is green, is like really punishing. Um, so your mana is like really bad for no reason. Uh, so you have to decide if Tyvar is worth it. But the, the old shell for this deck was not good enough. So you have to do something a little different. You felt like the, the difficulty was cards like Maze Mind Tome, just not affecting the board? Yeah, so like Mono White didn't exist in the way that it does now. Um, and Blue Red didn't exist in the way that it does now. And then... Maze Mind Tome is fine against Lotus Field. Um, but like Red is playing a braid now. Like Maze Mind Tome isn't even like a locked in value card, right? So, hmm. and when you don't have Soul Diviner, you don't really have time to draw because your deck is not playing. Well, various versions were playing a little bit more at like counter magic, but Maze Mind Tome is just a fine value card if you have all this extra mana lying around, but you don't have the time to generate all that mana in Pioneer. Like it, the decks are super fast and aggressive or they're very uh, controlling. Um, and Mono Green is back. You know, it wasn't really a thing at the time because Oath had not been unbanned yet. Well, Karn just locks all your mana, your tomes out of anything. They can't even add counters anymore. So, and then the Jace aspect is what kind of really interested me in this. Jace is another Planeswalker that um, Soul Diviner can take counters from because a lot of times like Jace will go to two, it's already generated value and then your opponent attacks it. And if they can't, you know, they have to attack with like multiple creatures just to make sure it dies. And then you just, you know, block their two, two with your soul diviner, take a counter from Jace on the way out. It's like a three or four for one. Beautiful stuff. I think you do need like a treasure cruise, treasure cruiser dig at least one of those. If only we had stepped through. It's criminal to not play anything with Delve in this deck. You have Jace and Tybar. This deck makes me sad. Step through is not Pioneer Legal. <laughs> For the one time. All right. So these are four sweet options. The expected Vanifar deck, 
with some tweaks to make it more realistic in an interactive metagame. A blue-black Soul Diviner deck. Sadisi, Ramp slash Aggro, and of course, the Abzan, Priest of Forgotten Gods deck. Anything else you guys want to mention for Tyvar? Any other ideas rattling around in your head for how to use the Jubilant Brawler? In my case, not quite, because the modern ideas I think are almost obvious, disregarding Gobos. Like, I think everybody thought about them, and it's just a matter of refining them and hoping so- any of them work. Yeah, I think the the modern decks, I mean, definitely Devoted Druid is going to eat up most of the space for Tyvar there, but, you know, maybe we'll squander some ticks on these Diamond Lion Brews at some point. <laughs> maybe a dream can happen. For me, I'm curious if there's some kind of just random Jund deck. Like, I like Blood Tithe Harvester. I like Fable of the Mirror Breaker. These both happen incidentally. I have activated abilities. I also used to have this weird love affair with Liliana Heretical Healer, which is another three drop that gets back small creatures. So like, what if I just fill out this like Blood Tithe Harvester plus Liliana Heretical Healer, add a few more things that sacrifice themselves. I know you all laugh at me for playing Liliana's Steward, the one drop that sacks to discard (laughs) something. (laughs) It's not that bad, but, um, you know, maybe Priest of Forgotten Gods or Fiend Artisan and just come up with some kind of like creature-based Jund value deck uh, like that. It definitely all seems possible, right? Like the problem with some of the cards you're naming is that they're already in the red-black list, which is just playing fair. So you have to make the reason you're adding, like adding, again, keep saying it because people don't actually play Pioneer. Adding the third color is really, really painful. (laughs) It's not just in modern, you guys just get to play four colors and like, ah, Blood Moon might get me every once in a while. Like the third color is going to do four to six extra damage to you. You're not going to get to play all your value lands. So you need to get a lot of value out of the tie bar. And exactly the, the outline you're saying, Dan, where you're you're uh, bringing back your one mana sacrifice or they're discarding a card. Like you're getting all this extra value out of tie bar. That makes the green splash worth it. Because the red blacklist is playing like 10 utility lands or something. And as soon as you add green, you get to play like one or maybe two. And then you'll take another two to four damage a game. So it's like those are those are the trade-offs you have to make right okay in that case maybe just do it in modern everything i said but do it in modern replace priest of forgotten gods with dothy Voidwalker. replace liliana's steward with grief just play four dothy Voidwalkers. make the dream come true yeah turn three slam my liliana heretical healer and then play a grief to trigger it no then i uptake and then i get back the grief next turn We were subtly increasing the power level with every phrase, and then of a sudden, Liliana came back into... Somehow, Liliana came back. <laughs> She's good. All right, all right. We, we were increasing power level, we were being consistent, and all of a sudden, Liliana just came back. Oh, that reminds me. I should play a Deathrite Shaman in my uh, Sadisi Tybar list. That's a, that's a good... Dan's been kind of proposing that as a, like a one-of. That, that's, that's money. Hmm. Would be interesting. Not sure if it's a one-of, but... It comes back and makes mana. It comes back and exiles stuff from the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It might be just relevant enough. Can't go wrong. What can go wrong with Finaris and... Band and modern? <laughs> it's got to be good enough. <laughs> it's got to be great. It's bound. <laughs> All right. Well, that's plenty of good ideas, plenty of bad ideas. Something for everyone in this episode. Enough Tivar for everyone. I think we better leave it here. So, David, Mord, I will bid you adieu. Yeah, take care, gentlemen.
Goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, David. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and hope to see everybody around. Bye-bye. Decklist for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. And tune in next time for even more brews from Phyrexia All Will Be One. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. If you enjoyed this program, you can join our community at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. 